Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Thank you. I love how Miles always just, no matter who it is on the platform, he just loves them. He just hypes everyone up. He's like, thank God that you're here. And honestly, where else would you rather be on a Sunday morning, hey, than right here in the house, surrounded by family. It's so good to be here. Well, yes, you can take your seats, say hi to the person next to you, um, and let's, let's just get started. Uh, yes, like Miles said, my name is Sam. Uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Monique, for 10 months now. However, it feels like a lifetime. Uh, we really got engaged and dated and really got to know each other during the pandemic. So there was a lot less distraction and a lot more focusing on each other. Uh, so it feels like I've known her for a lifetime. Uh, I'm also a concrete truck driver. Uh, not a cement truck driver. Cement comes in a bag. Um, that's just for all the construction people out there. No relevance whatsoever to what we're talking about up here. Uh, and so I love that. I've had my fair share of driving on the beautiful Sydney roads. Uh, so I've also had my fair share of road rage and praying for other drivers on the road that they would get home safe because there are some hectic people out there. Um, I heard an amen just then. <laughs> Uh, but yes, the team here at Elevation of our Sonny and I to talk about John chapter 15, which for those of you that don't know, it's a part in John's gospel where Jesus is sitting down with his disciples right before he's about to get betrayed and he's revealing more about who he is. He's revealing more to the disciples about this King of glory who has come down in bodily form. Uh, and you'll see in John's gospel that there are seven of these bold I am statements from Jesus. You know, I am the good shepherd. I, I, am, I am the vine, which is what we're going to be looking at. And so there's these big moments where Jesus is revealing to his disciples. And I believe he wants to reveal more of himself to us today through these I am statements. So John chapter 15, verse 1 is where we're going to be starting off. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, I am the true vine. Everyone say true. Everyone say true vine. There we go. Everyone's here now. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If, any, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse eight, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, that your word you were speaking to your disciples at the time and what you're speaking to us here right now in this room, God. I thank you that your word is true and very much alive in this place. I pray that we all would have ears to hear and eyes to see in what you want to reveal to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Abide in the Greek uh, is meno. Everyone say meno. I love getting a room full of Aussies whenever there's an O at the end of a word. Meno. Abide in the Greek means meno, and it means to stay, remain, or believe in. 
that what Jesus is saying to his disciples and I believe to us today, that if you remain in Jesus, he will remain in you. But also if you believe in Jesus, he'll believe in you. Isn't that just such a nice reminder for all of us this morning that Jesus believes in you? No matter what struggle you're going through, no matter how hard you might be finding it right now, Jesus still believes in you. He's cheering you on. He wants the best for you. He's come to bring life and life abundantly for you. He wants the absolute best for you. I also can't help but draw attention to what he first said in verse 1, that he is the true vine. That out of all the words he could have used, he, he chose true. That he's not some vine. He's not one of the many vines. He's not just a random vine. He makes it very clear that he is the true vine. And it's interesting because the opposite of true is imperfect, defective, frail, uncertain. The opposite of true is what is fictitious, counterfeit, imaginary, simulated or pretended. You know, I believe God still speaks through his word and through all of us today. And I can see why Jesus is making this point that he is the true vine, because I think outside of this building and outside of these walls, we are surrounded by a world that's uncertain, that's a little frail at times, and we have no idea how it's going to play out. It's full of counterfeit and pretending, but thank God we have Jesus. Thank God that we have the truth in times of uncertainty. Thank God that we have the way, the truth and the life through Jesus when everything else just feels like a counterfeit or pretending. Thank God that when I'm feeling frail, Jesus Christ still remains and is still here and is still alive and still on the throne and wants to bring His goodness upon all of us. Thank God for Jesus Christ. And in verse 5, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to highlight verse 5 because this is just where Jesus has been super blunt to his disciples. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's it. I'm the vine, you are the branches. That's all you need to know. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everyone say nothing. Have you ever found yourself in a spot where you could feel like you could do nothing? There was a situation that happened at work or something that happened with a family member and you feel stuck. I know there's a lot of, mm, yeah, nods, because we've all been there. We've all been in a place where you feel like you can do nothing. I've been stuck in traffic. You definitely can do nothing in there. Um, my dad has always been the fix-it man of my life. You know, he would fix my cars, he'd fix my toys. When I'd break them, he would fix random things in the house that no one ever thought would be broken, but he would fix them anyway. And um, he was the fix-it man for my life. And uh, recently, my dad was diagnosed with uh, vascular dementia and a life expectancy of five years. And let me tell you, I felt like I could do nothing. And maybe you're here today. Now, I don't know if it's an illness with a family member, but maybe it's that situation at work or maybe it's something happening in your own life, but you feel like you can do nothing. I've been there. I know exactly how it feels. You feel stuck. You feel pushed down. You feel alone. And I'll tell you exactly how I get through it. It's not me 
that gets me through it. It's him that gets me through it. It's not by my strength and my power. It's through the strength of Jesus and through his Holy Spirit that empowers me to still see God's good will for me. By myself, I feel like I have nothing. I have my doubts. I have my worries. But in Jesus, through abiding in Jesus, I have life and life abundantly. I have expectation that God wants his goodness by myself. It may seem chaotic. It may seem like there's no way out of this situation whatsoever. But in Jesus, I can have peace. I can have joy. I can have love. I can have patience. I can have all the fruits of the Spirit because Jesus isn't your exit, your quick exit out of the storm. He's your exit that you hold on to in the storm. He's the rock that you hold on to in the storm. He's not going to take you out of it straight away. He's saying, hey, I'm here with you. I know it feels like you can do nothing, but I am here with you. Now, it's a powerful thing, abiding in Jesus. It gets you through so many tough times in life. And uh, in verse 8, Jesus is making a clear point of this abiding. In verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove. Everyone say prove. Prove to be my disciples. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5 uh, is, is what we're called to do. It's, it's the, the mission of God. You know, in Genesis 1, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. It's God's mission for us to abide in Jesus and be fruitful. But it's not only for, for our benefit. You know, we, just, we don't always go away and just be like, oh, how good is it, you know, being in the fruit of spirit? It's all for me. It's all great. But it's also to prove to the world that we are his disciples. By our abiding in Jesus, we are glorifying God. But because Jesus isn't currently here walking on earth currently. So how he's going to reach people is actually through us, through you and I, all of us here in this room, through our bearing fruit and through the light of Jesus shining through us. That's how he's going to reach the world today. And so this is just the final point that I want to make before I get Sonny up here to continue on, that our allowance of God's presence in our lives is going to affect the evidence of God in our world. I'll say it again. The allowance of God's presence in our lives, our abiding in Jesus, is going to affect the evidence of God to the world. Because people see you first and foremost. They see us, the church. And so therefore, I think we need to be a church that is abiding in the Word, that is being fruitful. Because the best thing that you can give the world, the best thing that you can give the church is a healthy and flourishing you. Now, uh, before I start to go over time and Ben whips out the shepherd's crook and drags me off the stage here, uh, I would love to welcome uh, the amazing Sonny up to the platform to just continue this message. Thanks, Sonny. Oh, my goodness. Sam has done a phenomenal job. What a powerful message. So good. Hey, um, I'm Sunny, by the way. <laughs> I've had the uh, opportunity of getting to call this house my home uh, for close to four and a half years now, and it's been, oh, it's been a while, right? It's been amazing. And 
as I was preparing for today's Word, I really felt God put something specific on my heart. And I thought, oh God, it's a little bit heavier. Like, are you sure you want me to go with this? And I was trying to weasel my way out of this one, but we're here and it's going to be pretty strong. But before I get into it, do you mind if we pray, church? Bow your heads and pray with me, if you will. Father God, thank You for this opportunity to bring Your Word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that You lead me and that in everything I say and do, it glorifies You and You alone. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. So I love John 15 verse 1 to 11, right? And Sam has beautifully set up the foundation here. I, I truly believe that Jesus gives us an absolute blueprint for partnership when He calls us as the branches to abide in Him. He gives us a promise of fruit, as Sam touched on before, right? It's such a, it's such a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, uh, revelation. And so... <clears throat> I want to start off with the first verse, John 15, 1. Jesus makes this bold declaration, right? He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, I believe Jesus makes this declaration for a number of reasons, but I just want to go through two today really quickly. The first one being what we need to recognise here is that Jesus is talking to His disciples moments before His impending death, moments before His impending crucifixion. And what He's saying is, hey, I'm not going to be here anymore. And, and as my believers, you're expected to produce fruit. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you feel bide in me as a true vine, because once I'm gone, you're going to be persecuted. False theology is going to get thrown at you. False religious leaders are going to try to kill you. But as my believers, you need to produce fruit. And the only way that's going to happen is if, you are, if you're staying connected to Jesus. And, and number two, and this is, this is the most powerful one that, that hit me as I was preparing for this. What we need to recognise again is that Jesus is talking to His disciples, right? Disciples are people who are believers who, had, who, are, who already believed in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus calls His believers to, to produce fruit, that's an expectation on believers. So in other words... Non-believers are not expected to produce fruit. Let me say it a different way. Salvation alone is not a fruit-bearing event. Just because you are saved does not mean you automatically start to bear fruit, right? So if we go a little bit further ahead, come with me to John 8 verse 31. Jesus said, again, He's talking to a group of believers here. And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples. I feel like Sam and I are on the same wavelength here. Discipleship, when you abide in Jesus, it proves discipleship. You see a lot of Christians today, and I'm definitely on this journey myself. We've gotten so comfortable with just being believers and, and, and not disciples. I, I went through this season actually about six to eight months ago. I was walking with Jesus and, you know, I could see a little bit of fruit in my life, but I'd gotten pretty comfortable in my walk with Jesus. And, and I knew deep within me, God wanted me to do, wanted to do more in and through me, but I was cruising along and God sent this beautiful friend into my life. Oh man, I love this girl. She's the best, right? She speaks so much life into me. She holds me accountable. And she said this one thing that has truly shifted the trajectory of my walk with God. She said this powerful thing. She said, Sonny, you know, the enemy is working really hard. Are you? And that shook me to my core because that was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. And I found myself straight after that conversation, sitting in the presence of God, absolutely convicted of complacency and timidity. And I made a decision then and there to say, no more, that's it. 
I'm going to step into this. And it's incredible how God works. Straight after that, I felt His, His presence, His boldness just come and rest over me. And ever since that, I've been stepping into things that I didn't think I'd be stepping into. God's been leading me in, in a trajectory that I didn't think I would be at. And I can start to see more of His fruit as I abide in Him, right? And I want to give Him all the glory because it is, it is only Him that is bringing the fruit, no one else. And so as we abide in Jesus, we start to see fruit. And that's one of the main reasons why we need to do that. And I want to explore this concept of fruit a little bit more. So if you come with me again to verse 4, Jesus says this. He says, Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus makes it very clear that our original design as believers is to bear fruit as long as we abide in Him, right? And this word fruit uh, uh, that, that pops up throughout this passage of Scripture, it comes from the Greek, it's called karpos, which literally means fruit, but figuratively it means to yield that which is eternal. Our original design is to stay in partnership with the true vine so that we can yield that which is eternal. This partnership becomes pretty important, right? Because when we don't yield or when we aren't attached to the true vine, we actually begin to function the way we are not intended to function. We begin to malfunction. We open ourselves up to let other things seep in. Maybe, maybe it's a bit of harmless jealousy towards someone that's now become this horrible hatred towards them. Or maybe you're holding offence against something that someone said. Maybe it's someone from the past. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's a loved one. And now it's just fested up and it's, and it's grown into this bitter root of unforgiveness. And it's not only hurting you, but it's hurting them as well. Or maybe you're finding yourself comparing yourself to someone else constantly. Oh, he's got more money than me. She looks better than me. They've got a bigger house than me. And now it's, uh, you're finding yourself stuck in insecurity and, and, and it's an attack on your identity. And soon what happens is when you don't abide in Jesus, you start giving into, into fleeting things, which can lead to sin. And as we know, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, right? And, and as Christians, we live in a fallen world, right? We're not immune to temptation. It's going to come. We're not immune to persecution. We're going to have to go through some stuff. But choosing to abide in Jesus is going to be a rocky path. But guess what? Choosing not to abide in Jesus is going to be a deadly path because sin leads to death. And so it's a bit difficult then to yield that which is eternal if you're constantly choosing to be entertained by that which is fleeting. You see, fleeting things are deceptive. In the moment, they might feel great. Oh, I'm going to give in to lust and maybe watch a little bit of porn. But they come to lead you into sin and enslave you to death. But you see, eternal things are good. Eternal things come from the Holy Spirit. They come to lead you into life. And as Sam touched on before, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so it's an abiding in Jesus Christ. You gain the self-control to resist temptation when it comes at you. And it's an abiding in Jesus Christ that when you've been put into a situation of no fault of your own, you gain this peace that transcends all understanding that says, hey, I'm gonna be all right because God's gonna get me out of this. And it's an abiding with Jesus Christ. You gain the wisdom them to know that looks like a pretty dodgy business decision, but that one over there, that looks like Christ, even though it might be a bit harder. And so as you abide in Jesus Christ, you start to understand that it is imperative to produce fruit in your life. Why? Because fruit is a representation of Christ in you. 
A lot of the times people see the fruit in you before they speak to you, before they get to know you, before they figure out who you are as a person. Oh, he's so gentle all the time. What's that about him? And so if fruit is the first thing that people see in you, let it first be Christ who they encounter through you. And so when we bear fruit, as Sam touched on before, we we prove to be his disciples. And that is the second reason why we need to abide in the true vine, right? So if we go to verse 8 really quickly, I want to explore that a little bit more. Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That word abide there, as we touched on before, it doesn't mean to just have continuing belief in God, in, in Jesus, right? It means to remain in, to stay in, to, to, to surrender, to submit completely to His love. So then you can allow His love to flow in and through you so you can start to see fruit. And John Piper, he puts it beautifully when he talks about what it means to abide. He says this, we are not dealing here with something marginal or optional. If we are not united to the vine so that Christ's life is flowing into us, then His words, His love, His joy will be utterly and totally barren. You see, a lot of the times as Christians, we treat this uh, abiding part with Jesus as sort of like an optional, as like an optional benefit, right? And I work in the insurance industry, so this word optional benefit, it gets thrown around a lot. So it's like our bread and butter. But you might be familiar with it. For example, you might go to get car insurance and you say, great, you know, um, I'll get the basic cover and, and, you know, they might try to sell you uh, a bit of extra, extra protection. Oh, hey, let me give you some extra cover for your tyres and your rims or hail damage or whatever. And you say, cool, I'll get it. And you'll get the optional benefits and you might pay a bit of extra money for it, right? And abiding with Jesus Christ, a lot of Christians see it as an optional benefit because there is an additional cost to it. Because once you start to abide in Jesus, you recognise there is an additional cost because it's not about you anymore, it's about Him. And and here's the thing. This next point is going to be a bit interesting, but I want you to stay with me on this, right? When you don't abide in Jesus, you can actually do some pretty great stuff. What? Did she really say that? (laughs) So for example, let's say, right, you believe in God, but you're not really walking with Him. And, and you have this business that's making oodles and oodles of cash. And you, you go hand it out to a whole bunch of charities and then you slap it on your website and you say, great, you know, I'm going to start to look like a generous business that gives a lot of money away to people. And, and you'll probably get the recognition, you'll probably get all the accolades for it. Or, or for example, you believe in God, but you're not really walking with Him. And you say, you know, I want to do something good because I want to feel good about myself. I want to be a good person. So you decide to go feed the homeless once a week. And you do that and it'll be great and people will probably call you a good person. But here's the thing, your works, if they don't come from a Christ-led conviction, they are not fruit. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 says it this way, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You can do all this great stuff. You can get the recognition. You can get the merit. You can get the accolades. But as Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 shows us, your works alone neither save you nor do they bring fruit. Why? Because your works only become good once they are in Christ because Christ is good and He's the only one that can let you walk into the works that He has prepared for you beforehand. When the true vine feeds the branches, now it becomes fruit. Anything outside Christ doesn't count. Daniel Bouget, incredible author, he says it this way, right? 
He says the image of the vine and the branches is that everything that a disciple might do without Christ is of no account and not even of interest. Oh, that sounds pretty harsh, but it's true. You can do all these things, impress other people and and do it for your own self-glory, but that is coming from a place of self-glorification and not God-glorification. And the whole core of verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Fruit glorifies God, not us. And when we glorify God, we then prove to be His disciples. You see, the whole design of us not being the true vine, not being God, but instead being the branches that are completely grafted and utterly dependent on the true vine is so that ultimately we would bring God the glory. And so one of the most powerful ways to abide in Jesus today, this is my favourite one, is to cultivate a disciplined prayer life. See, a disciplined prayer life recognises that it is in the daily, it is in the momentary, everyday moments with the Holy Spirit, sitting in the, in the presence of God. Are you able to sense what God wants to do in and through you so you can step into the works that bring fruit? And a disciplined prayer life recognises that it has to be rooted in God's Word where you know the truth of the Bible. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you know that He would never contradict the Word of God. And when you have this disciplined prayer life with God, you become a Christian so on fire for God that you want to take ground from the enemy because it was never His to begin with anyway. You become so passionate for God that you want to see your loved one who doesn't know Jesus. You want to see your spheres of influence who don't know Jesus. You want to see your workplace who doesn't know Jesus. You want to see that random girl you met at the park who doesn't know Jesus come to encounter the living God. You get so unpassionate or so on fire for God that you want to see the sick healed. You want to see the captive set free. You want to see the broken come back home. You want to see bondages and shackles and and, and just captives set free. You become so on fire for God that you refuse to walk around like the gospel is your best kept secret because it is a selfless proclamation of love that this world needs. You become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple so hungry to see the fruits of your labour because you are motivated by this love for Christ, because Christ first loved you. And so church, my prayer as Pastor Ben gets ready to come up is that if you know that you are yet to start being a disciple, if you know that you need to step into more of the fruit that God wants to do in and through you, that you wouldn't start tomorrow or the day after or for two months or whatever it is. The time is now. There is an urgency on the body of Christ to step in right now and get, in, get into the presence of God. Because fun fact, God holds the power of life and death in His hands. If you are still here, it is His grace that is holding you here. He is not done with you. He wants to do more in and through you. The time is now. So church, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, thank You for this opportunity to be Your disciples. Father God, I pray that You would give us the boldness to step into the works that You want to do in and through us and You would give us the courage to remain and to withstand whatever comes at us. Thank You for this calling to to, to be Your disciples, to be Your mouthpieces, God. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Awesome. Let's give it up for Sonny and Sam. So good. I just love... Uh, what they both touched on is just like uh, when we abide in Christ, He will abide in us and He will flow through us and we will have fruit. 
And through that, as Sunny was saying, it will stir us to want to go out into the world. It will stir us to want to see people come to Christ. It will stir us to, to want to create fruit for others. So we're going we're gonna to sing uh, Son of Suffering, the bridge again. So if we could all stand. But before we jump into it, uh, if, you, if you don't know this Jesus that you have so clear access to, if you maybe you've walked away from Him, you are not abiding in the vine at the moment, I want to give you an opportunity to, to respond, to say, you know what? I want to abide in that. I want to abide in that vine. I want to be a branch that produces good fruit. So with eyes closed, if you want to start this journey with Jesus, if you want to know more about who this Jesus is, I just ask you to boldly raise your hand so we know who we are, so we know who we are praying with. If that is you, if you want to come to Jesus, or if you want to say, yes, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to be a part of this vine. I want to produce fruit. I want to know what you've got in store for me. If that is you, on the count of three, I just ask you to raise your hands. One, two, three. Yeah, come on, great. I see that hand in the middle. Awesome, come on. Awesome. Is there anyone else? So good. All right, we're just gonna pray. Uh, if we could read this, ask me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I pray that you fill me with the fullness of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.